you can cool it. Be calm. It's all right. Everything's under control. I am here. I got my hands on the controls here, the giant knob. <laughs> and uh, before we begin tonight, tonight's program may have elements which may be exceedingly distasteful to the more sentimental and quite conceivably the more sensitive. <laughs> and uh, by way of disclaimer, we'd like to point out that uh, uh, I don't know what it is. It just slipped my mind. But, uh, oh, what the hell. Uh, you play it the way you see it. <laughs> or the way you think you see it. I mean, you know, I'm walking through 23rd Street Station here today. You know, the underground, the subway. And I'm a great collector of graffiti. And I just can't believe, you know, the kind of great groovy stuff you see these days. Under the, uh, under the aspects of graffiti. There's a... There's one I saw today on a frozen pineapple machine at 23rd Street. Yeah, there's a frozen pineapple machine in 23rd Street. It hasn't worked since the fall of 1956, but it's still down there in the basement. Eventually be a great collector's item. This frozen pineapple. And I see this thing there. See, it says, uh... It says, uh... Oh, I can't say it. I just can't. Because, you know, there are all kinds of ramifications that you can't face up to. Like, for example, I, I'm, I'm reading the British medical magazine. Any of you people out there, medical cuckoos, oh, come on, you're hurting me again. I can't help it. Stop it. <laughs> but uh, I was just reading the British medical journal. For those of you out there who are interested in medical problems, and after all, we're all part of the medical world. We're walking around organic organisms. That's, let's face it, man is an organic creature. <laughs> That's right. That was the graffiti I saw. Man is organic. And, uh, of course, that's questionable. And uh, I, I think so many... Just leave it. Keep going there, Herbert. That's all. Just be calm. Blow your horn. And uh, there was this note in the British Museum the other day. Well, I don't want to bring that up either because that's part of the problems that we got to deal with. But the British medical people are much more realistic than ours. For example, they have been dealing in the medical journal recently with one of the problems that faced man, man particularly, not women, man particularly, for a long time. How to solve the perils of a zipper on your fly. Yes, that's right. And they have... Uh, I'm just reading here. This is a medical thing, so don't get angry, Shepard. Not being obscene here. Just reading medical reports. And it says that, it says that very often, very painful predicaments occur due to various zippers. That's <laughs> true. And uh, the medical fraternity is taking it up because not only painful problems, but also there's psychic ramifications that occasionally occur as a result of this. And uh, one doctor suggested, he said, well, he suggested, he said, maybe we'd better go back to buttons. And, uh, but uh, here's one guy, though, a British men's fashion designer, Fish, says he thinks he has the answer, skirts. Well, it's my opinion, probably, that the matter is entirely hypothetical to Fish. If I know anything about British men's fashion designers, he doesn't have to worry much about it. Would you please bring it up there? <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Now, hold it, hold it, gang. Hold it, hold it. You see, that's the way it goes. I mean, you, uh, that that, uh, <laughs> that reminds me of a terrible scene that I saw one time. And I, I shouldn't bring this up, but I'm going to. The, the reports from real life. Reports from real life. 
one night I, I was at this elegant hotel, see, and uh, and I was at this 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 black tie affair. Now I go to about three black tie affairs a century. As a matter of fact, uh, I've never owned a tuxedo. I've wondered, you know, that must be a, 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 a magic moment in a person's life when he gets so important he goes out and buys a tuxedo. Although I have rented several, that's an exciting experience. Uh, I'll never forget the first time I rented a tuxedo. I standing there with the mirrors all around me, you know, and, and Mo is measuring me up. And he keeps hollering out to a guy named Al who was in the back there. He'd holler things like, 42 regular. And I'd hear him muttering in the back. Once in a while, 36 long. And more measuring and pushing around. And then I saw that the coat he gave me had seen considerable use. And he said, I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. It came in last night, was on the job last night. We'll have it all cleaned up by the time you need it. You need it Wednesday, right? And I said, yes, Wednesday. Don't worry, I could smell spaghetti. I could smell pizza. It had been at an Italian wedding the night before, and it seen considerable action. So uh, this is something that, <laughs> that women don't know about. They, I don't know of any woman that's ever rented a piece of clothing. Rented a piece of clothing. But most men have done this, and they know how it feels to have a cummerbund around their gut that has seen many a prom before him and will see many a prom after him. And so on this particular night, I'm in there, you know, walking around. I've got this black tie thing. See, I've got, you, you feel very official when you have on a, a tuxedo. You know that feeling of officialdom when you have a tuxedo on something? It makes you feel, I mean, classical is the only word I can say. It, it gives you a kind of sta a, a, a straightness and an officialness. And so I'm sitting at the table there with a lot of other people all faking it wearing their rented tuxedos and there's a guy up on the platform giving a speech and, and they're given the awards that night whatever it was and there's always awards there's a plaque always being given out of one of those things so I'm sitting there in the middle of that I'm eating the, eating the uh, what, what do they call them petty fours right those little cookies that come that are petty you know some of those are never eaten they go on they use them one banquet after the next by many hotels because they know most people don't eat them they just bring them out see, and they lay them there and People poke at him, and, and they, have you ever noticed how mad the waiter gets when you actually reach out and grab one and eat it? He gives you a bad look, and they take it away real quick. Well, that's because that's supposed to also work the, the Kiwanis Convention the week after. You see, these are the petty foys that just keep going on all season. Sometimes a whole box will go for a year or two. So I'm sitting there eating the petty foys, see. And uh, I'm looking around. There's about 500 people in this big ballroom. It's at the plaza, someplace like that. And... Uh, so I get up, you know, and I'm walking out in the lobby there, and they, they all, the men's room is always way off in the back someplace. He long down a long corridor, so I'm wandering down, and I'm getting bored. I hear the speeches in the PA system, so I go into the men's room. And there's a guy standing over by the mirrors there, see? You know where all the sinks are? He's working away there. He's looking kind of funny. I can see him hunched over. And I walk over, and I, and I wash my hands and things, you know, that you do there, and at the, he, all of a sudden, he looks at me and he says, hey, excuse me, he says, can you help me? And I said, what? He says, I'm ready to have a hell of a time. I said, what's the matter? But this, you know, I thought somebody, you know, something happened there. Because his face is flushed and he's looking excited. And I said, what's the matter? He says, my zipper won't work. So I can't go back out. I said, your zipper won't work. And he says, yeah, look at that damn thing, it's stuck. He says, could you grab Paul? I says, wait a minute now. I said, look at that. I'm looking at it, and a couple of other guys come in. And within five minutes, there were eight of us in there trying to get this guy's zipper work. 
and we're we're still, yo, this is a fact. These things happen. They really do. Don't don't look. Don't look askance, lady. This is the way life is. You're going to have to face life for what it is. And so, <laughs> so we're trying. So, so finally, we, we, there's a great moment of fantastic uh, uh, victory. See, the zipper goes zip. Up it goes like that. His head flies back. Oh, what a relief. His zipper's back. So we all go out calmly, all of us, back to our table. See, I never saw this guy before. And now he's back in the crowd. About ten minutes later, the speaker up there, who's speaking into the PA system, you know, with the echo chamber. And now we take great pleasure in presenting tonight's award winner, a national legislator, all of whom you know very well, and his name is a byword with people interested in the future of aviation in America. Now here he is, the senator from the sovereign state. Oh, my God, it's the senator. And the senator gets up there, and, and he is getting the award. It's a famous senator. And he's running for president now. For instance, it's going to be very difficult for me, really, to, to vote seriously for the guy that me and seven other guys tried to help get his zipper fixed. One is never, never a god to one's shoeshine type. Never. I mean, I can just see Lincoln sitting down there and a guy shining his shoes and he realizes that he's got a hole in the back of his sock. He says, this is a great emancipator. What are you talking about? It's got yeah. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Of course, you know, you don't mind if I... It's just, you know, life, life, life is filled. It's like the time, I tell you, embarrassing moments. It's like the time I went to this restaurant. Now, I, I'm, not, I'm not a guy that deals with embarrassing moments, but you see... I, I suspect that almost all of us in our lives feel vaguely embarrassed by the inadequacy of our own being. I mean, uh, you look and you see guys like Lindsay. You can't imagine Lindsay having trouble with the, with the elastic on his jockey shorts. You just can't. But you know about your problems. The little niggling problems that happen in life. Like the time I went to this restaurant scene, I was meeting about eight very official guys. I don't know what kind of a... Does any, any, anybody out there, a chemist, know what caused this? Is there a chemist listening? But I had a, absolutely almost a magical experience one time. And it's affected me deeply. And it was summertime scene. I had this, this summer-type suit. You know, I had a suit that I thought was really groovy. I wanted these lightweight suits, and I thought it was great. It's a wash-and-wear-type suit. And uh, I was going to this restaurant over on uh, East 48th Street. Matter of fact, there's an entire new uh, industry that's uh, developed in the last few years, and that's the, the East 48th Street uh, French restaurant that's devoted entirely to expense accounts. They have ordinary people just can't get in there. You know, it's this pure lunch bill. And all the lunches, it's a ritual. It's, it's a, total, a total experience. It's kind of a religious thing going to this restaurant and there's always somebody named Louie there, and, and I, I go in to meet the, the crowds. And it was a very official game from a, from a top agency, and they were about to buy $12 million worth of business. 
some fantastic thing like that. See, and I was invited over to it. So I get over there, you know, and I sit down at the table, and there's always guys in the high chuck, how are you, Chucky? Oh, yes, Mr. Bullard, yes, good to see you, Mr. Bullard. I'm sitting around the table, and they bring the martinis, and I'm knocking down. And I, you know, you get this illusion when you're at a place like that, and you have a martini or two, that you're fantastically witty. Have you had that, that, that uh, I am a witty person experience? And that everything I say turns instantly to gold. Somehow that I'm taking the dross of ordinary mundane life and I'm converting it into a magic quicksilver experience. And I'm whipping out these lines. People are laughing when they have another martini. They keep bringing these martinis. And, and I'm sitting there and I lean back in my chair and I'm entertaining about ten of these very official guys. Guys with silver over sideburns. One guy had a big, elegant set of mustaches. You know, you just see he's the head of the agency. And I put my knee up over my other knee. And then you sit back like this, and I'm talking away then. People are listening and laughing, and I have another martini. And I notice my knee is coming out through my pants. I see my knee. My knee. I mean, my kneecap. I can see it. Down like that, see, and I pull it down. And I, I can figure out what happened. My knee is coming through my pants. So I sit this way and I turn the other way. See, you know, I put my hand over my knee. And I'm trying to hide the hole there. Just, you know, and my mind is, what happened? How come I got a thing? My knee is sticking out. So I move this way, see, and I figure maybe it's the light. So I turn the other way and I'm back in my fantastic witty groove. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, bullied out there. What the hell? My other knee is sticking out of my knee. My pants. Both my knees are coming out. So, you know, terrible moment of panic. You know, my knees are sticking out of my pants. And here I am in this elegant French restaurant. So I see these knees down there, and I pull the chair up like this. And then, now remember this, friends. I have had 18 martinis at this point, seven glasses of water, six egg rolls, I've had probably four or five hundred shrimp, which they keep bringing, and I suddenly realize I've got to, well, I've got to, I've got to get up quickly and go to this other place, you know. <laughs> so I say, well, I'll be right back in a minute, Paul. So I get up like that, and as I stand up, I have a curious sensation of the air conditioning unit. It seemed to be blowing like it was right next to me and blowing right up my pants legs. I got up, and I looked down. And I see there's millions of holes all over my pants. It's like, I can't figure it out. My pants are dissolving right here in the French restaurant. So I, I adopt my, my Groucho Marx walk, which I walk very low, see, and my coat hangs down and touches the floor as I walk. And I go scurrying through the French restaurant, and I get into the john, and I look down, I can't believe it. In the bright light, I know, I know, in the bright light, there's holes all over my pants. I go back to the table and sit down with panic, complete panic. Holes all over my pants. Well, we go on like that. We talk away that, and I'm aware that everybody in the crowd has seen my kneecaps. You know, it's a funny thing about that. Ever since that time, I have realized how naked we are. Close to the surface, the real you stands. It's a W.O.R. New York. That's all they're worried about here. Make that damn station break on time. Everything else is incidental. Yes, 
is the glow out of the darkness. Those howling gales, those howling winds that carry us out to the sea of eternity. I'm glad to see the British medical experts are doing something about one of the primary problems that has been visited upon people from time to time in all their deep and quiet innocence, all their spinning moments through the eternity of now. It is a frozen pineapple machine, by the way, in case you're curious. Any of you fans of true trivia, go down to 23rd Street there on the 7th Avenue line, you'll see a frozen pineapple machine standing next to one of the great big iron stanchions there. And by the way, I'm proud to, 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 to have to report that uh, you've noticed uh, all the, uh, all the uh, graffiti all over everything these days with guys' names all over places, you know, with numbers on, on every subway car, the windows, the walls. You've noticed this? This is a whole movement. You know what these people call themselves, don't you? They don't call themselves graffiti men any longer. It's a whole new phrase. It's called, they call themselves markers. And there's one guy that calls himself the king of the markers. And his name is on everything. Well, I'm proud to say that for some... No, that's all right, Herbert. I'm proud to say that for some mysterious reason, my name has appeared on subway cars. <laughs> and it's a weird moment to come into a subway and sit down and see your name amid all that trivia. Well, all right, let's get out with a few of these spots here. You got anything in there for me here? How about the... Wait a minute, hold it there for a minute, just a minute. Before we go any further. Just a minute. Would you give me a little of that cheap guitar? Portuguese music, please. Oh, come on, Portuguese vixen. Sit upon my bare knee and we will talk. We will speak the tales of the archive. We will talk about the magnificent sea as it rolls in from the coast of Africa. We will drink rosé wine. <laughs> so one time I'm a kid, seen him dating this girl. She just, she seemed to be like, she seemed to be like uh, Dresden. And always will remain encapsulated, kind of, kind of sealed in plastic. The eternal chick. Now, that's not the one he's generally involved with at the time. It's some mysterious girl in the past. Not a specific one often. Just a... The girl. You know what I'm talking about, Herb? Or do you? Do you? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Are you listening to what I'm saying? There's a girl in our lives. Now, it's not a specific one. You don't say, oh, yeah, yeah, Ezra. Yeah, yeah, Esther Jane Alberry. No, 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 no. It's like... It's like... It's like Captain Ahab after the white whale. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the girl, see? Well, but we, we constantly have moments when we think we're on the trail of that girl, see? Well, I remember I was about 15, 16, roughly. It was spring, just like now. Beautiful times. And it was this girl who was way up near the front of my class, off to the left, all the time. Pearl Aruz. I always remember her because that I've never really liked the name since, but Pearl was... Oh, fantastic. She had an olive skin. She was, she was molded by... It, 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 was, it was superhuman. Superhuman. I mean, everything was right. And I'd see her in the distance. See, I was way back. I was in the alphabetical ghetto, you see. The S's are way in the back there where they, where they keep the lunches and the galoshes and all that stuff, and, you know. And you could smell the gym where I was sitting way back there, you know, in the swimming pool and stuff. And she was up in the front where people got real knowledge and education because they were by the board. And they could see everything, see, and I could see Pearl Aruz. 
And then that great day came when she became my partner in the biology lab. And I could show her how fantastic I could cut open the gut of a frog. And I said, yeah, it's all right. I'll take you know, I cut the frog open. And she said, oh, that's wonderful. Yes, that's great. I said, see, there's the uh, liver there. <laughs> and we're in the biology lab. You remember biology lab? The frog is pinned there on that, that piece of cork. Well, I'm playing the frog scene big, and I'm keeping that eye open at this magnificent chick next to me. Finally, I got around to it. I said, say, uh, excuse me, you pearl, but uh, what are you doing Saturday night? And she says, why, uh, nothing. I said, <laughs> well, uh, well, uh, either I, and uh, I figured that, uh, gee, uh, how'd you like to go to this, uh, how'd you like to go out and have uh, dinner and then we're going to a show, huh? Something like that. Just <laughs> why I'd love to. Three days I spend getting myself ready for this thing. And then the night comes and we go to this elegant restaurant. And she orders a shrimp cocktail. Well, you know, I, I always thought cocktails were something you drank. <laughs> but they, you know, she was a little ahead of me in that kind of stuff. So she orders a shrimp cocktail. And it, the shrimp cocktail arrives and I'm sitting there and I, I, she just looked like the total epitome of I, don't, I can't describe it. The light was behind her. Everything. The music. The, uh, you know, I was going out of my bird. And then I noticed something. She had mayonnaise on the shrimp cocktail. And there was a big glob of mayonnaise that got on, the, on, on, one, on, on her bottom lip. And it kept going up and down. It was that mayonnaise. And here she was. So beautiful. So elegant. But there was mayonnaise on her bottom lip. And all through the meal it never got off. I, I couldn't say, hey, there's mayonnaise on the lip there, something like that. I kept seeing the mayonnaise, and she would talk, and the mayonnaise would go up and down. And finally, we had our, our coffee or our milk, and we left. And we're walking down the street, and there's mayonnaise on her lip. Somehow, everything changed. Somehow, there was something there. There was some tiny flaw of existence. I mean, mayonnaise on her lip. Somehow I didn't even think of her as really eating. See, magnificent creatures like this, they don't eat. They just exist. One takes them for dinner. But they do not eat. It's all right, gang. Hold it there. Hold it there. Hold it there. There. Hold it there. Uh, I'd like to do another spot before we go. You can bring the theme up anytime you want. Just bring it in behind me. Uh, let's see. Where is it? Uh, no, no, Nanette. Yeah, here it is. How would you like to have... A personally autographed copy of a great book called The Making of No No Nanette. Hey, that sounds obscene. Oh, no, oh, I see. They're talking about a musical. That's <laughs> the backstage story, friends, of the anger, envy, and frustration behind Broadway's big musical hit. And if you'd like a copy of No No Nanette, uh, they're selling it for $2 less on WOR. It's now $7.95 in all the bookstores. But uh, Citadel Press would like to send you one for only $5.95, autographed by the author, Don Dunn. So you make your check payable to Nanette Book. That's a Greek name. No, no, Nanette Book. And on the back, write how you want the autograph to read. Box 904, FDR Station, New York, 10022. Now bring it up there, Herbert, please. Let's see, what do some of the people want out there? Oh, they want the... Oh, I can see there's a ham listening. Banjo, butt meets Georgia Child, the Army... Somebody wants to hear about the Army VD film tomorrow night? <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, man, some of the stories they want to hear. It's sickening. Well, you just be calm, and don't forget tomorrow night, Princeton, 8.30. Alexander Hall, there will be tickets on sale at the doors, so get out there and line up early, because the doors open at 8, friend. Bring it up there, big, while I sing. See, there's really no problem there. I knew you could do it. Well, you see what it what it all boils down to? You get that mayonnaise in the wrong place and ramble lose. This is WOR, New York. Yes, sir. You stay tuned for Big Lester Smith and the news. Yeah, that's good. We got a second here. We can uh, you want me to play us? No, it's not doing the Lester Smith and the news. It's his turn. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>